Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. Hey everyone, welcome back to Gestational Diabetes Club. Uh, Today we're doing one of our favorite episodes. We're doing a birth story and I have got the lovely Kitty with me and she is one of the clients that I worked with a little while ago. We were just talking before I started recording and her little bub is almost three months now. So it was a little while ago that we worked together during her gestational diabetes journey. But yeah, I'm really excited to dive into her story. I know you all like listening to them and hearing different people's different experiences and, you know, getting all of those insights into, uh, you know, how things can look throughout gestational diabetes and throughout the birth process. So I know you'll love talking to Kitty and we've saved everything for the podcast. So I'm hearing it fresh (laughs) as well. And I'm really excited to hear about the whole story. So let's get into it and I'll get you to introduce yourself, Kitty. Of course. So my name's Kitty, obviously. Um, so I live in southwest Queensland and in a little place called South Tallwood. Um, and I am currently on maternity leave, but I'm a nurse educator in my actual role and now a mum to little Philippa or Pippa, we call her, who is 10 weeks, well, 10 weeks on Sunday, she will be. It's just the cutest name. Little Pippa. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I bet cute. it suits her. So cute. Um, Cool. And I feel like we should also make it clear that where you live is actually really remote. It is. Yes. <laughs> posed a few challenges through your, yeah, I suppose, like throughout your whole pregnancy and just in life, but especially having gestational diabetes when we really needed to be fairly, um, I don't want to use the word strict, but we were just being careful and measured about what you were having in your diet. And so made it kind of tricky when you only had a little shop. So, Definitely. yeah. Interesting. Um, now let's let's go all the way back though, like I always do. <laughs> so, uh, talk to me about your uh, the start of your pregnancy. Like, was it a planned pregnancy? So yes, we were planning on falling pregnant. Uh, it did happen a little bit sooner than we suspected. Everyone told me it would take a while, and the first time we tried, we fell pregnant. So we were very very lucky in that sense that I'd only been off the pill probably two months or even less, six weeks, I think. Wow. Um, and then, yes, then I fell pregnant. So, yes, we were very, very lucky in that sense. Ah, that's fab. Your body was so ready. It How was. Cool. <laughs> and what was, what was it like? How did you, um, how'd you find out and how did you tell your partner? Well, I was very boring. He got home from work and I told him. <laughs> I had, I'd obviously skipped a period, so I... Um, I was thinking that it potentially could be and I had tested a week later because obviously I could only get into town on the Wednesday, mm. whereas I was due to have my period and it was quite regular on the um, Monday, I think it was, and then I tested on the Wednesday. And as soon as he got mm. home from work, I just told him. <laughs> yeah, I bet you were busting. <laughs> I got home from work too that afternoon and just done the test and I was like, oh, it's definitely positive. It was very, very quick. So, oh, so, um, so yes, 
Love it. And did you find out the gender at the start? Or did no, you keep we it didn't. A surprise? Yes. We kept it a secret, yeah. Oh, all I don't the know way how people do it. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Uh, now, what was your pregnancy like? Like, obviously, we had gestational diabetes in there as one of the complications, but did you experience other symptoms like that morning sickness or, I mean, I always accidentally say morning sickness, all-day sickness, yes. whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah. aches and pains, all that sort of thing? So probably, so I found out at five and a bit weeks, so probably from the six-week it actually, the nausea hit me at six weeks till 12 weeks and I was te- pretty much textbook with that. Although it was um, generally in the mornings but then also in the evenings when I'd get home from work and I'd only be home at 7.30 at night and I'd just be exhausted and I think that triggered it a lot too. It was the exhaustion oh, yeah. made me a lot more nauseated. So, it, But it was pretty much textbook, six till 12 weeks and then it went away after that. Oh, that's good but still such... I just always think it's still such a long period of time that you were dealing with yeah. those symptoms. It's ages when you're at work and I don't know if it you is. told people or not, but especially trying to cover it up and be like, yeah. I'm fine. I'm pretty lucky that our team are actually in Roma, so that's two hours away. So I would only have to do Teams meetings with them so you can hide it pretty easily on Teams meetings. <laughs> the pros and cons, I guess, of living somewhere so chaotically remote. Um Oh, what was I going to ask you? And do you have any tips on how you managed and got through that time? Did anything um, help? I tried not to take medications. I did need it at some points. Um, keeping myself distracted definitely helped and trying to make myself not as tired, which is very difficult to do in that first six weeks because the fatigue is just insane. Although, yeah, I don't know, keeping myself distracted kind of helped and I guess traveling a lot and work was quite busy at that point too so that did help although some mornings it was just a bit much and I'd have to go and hide in my simulation room and (laughs) just try and get away from everyone but yeah Mm. I don't know I just don't be scared to take medication if that that does happen because that's what it's there for although I was just one of those people I just hate taking medications but then I did cave and did actually start just taking Zofran uh, when I needed it it's no, not taping. It. True. And Very true. I totally agree with what you just said. Like the medications are there for a reason. And I think that a lot of people can actually get into that mindset of, oh, I shouldn't. And I should just be stoic and push through. But you don't get a gold medal for no. feeling the sickest and going the longest without medication. And they wouldn't be um, available to you if they weren't safe. Put it that way, you know, this sort of stuff goes through rigorous testing to make sure that it is safe during pregnancy. So don't be scared of taking medication if you do need it. And it can be a lifesaver, absolute lifesaver. And there's there's other things that you can do in terms of your diet and lifestyle to try and optimise how you're feeling. But it can just be so rough. I mean, I've never experienced it, so I'm not going to stand here and pretend that I've got all the answers for you. But good on you for getting through um and anything was there anything else bothering you um no I actually loved being pregnant nothing else (laughs) oh that's fab so So, energy came back energy came back probably at 16 weeks so that did take a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um and I don't know where people say that you get that really big second wind of energy that never really comes but (laughs) you do get a bit more energy (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know if it was just because of my job and the travel that I do and things like that, but 
Um, yes, it wasn't a big boost of energy, but I had a lot more energy than I did. I actually had more energy at, towards the end of the pregnancy than I did through the first start of it. So mm. I think that might have been diet related too, maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah. to you. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but that's a good hot tip. If you're yeah. someone listening stuck in that first little bit and you're ex- just feeling all the feels, hopefully it gets better. Not for everyone, Definitely. but hopefully, hopefully it'll get better for you. Uh, okay. And then when did you get hit with your diagnosis of GD? So I was tested at 26 weeks and then I only found out, I think I contacted you at 30. So I must have been mm-hmm. 29 weeks when I found out. I'd actually been on holidays and I don't know if my GP just didn't get the results, but she waited until I was coming mm-hmm. back from holidays and told me. So I don't know if she got the results or not, but she told me literally on my last day of holidays. So um, so yeah, I think it was around 29 weeks. Mm. Well, that's a warm welcome back from yes, holidays, it isn't it? <laughs> and, it and how did it make you feel, especially knowing that you'd missed a few weeks of treatment? Um. To be honest, I just kind of took it as it was. I was, it didn't make me upset. I just thought, oh, well, let's just tackle this. I think it's one of those things that I don't know, you just have to deal with and try to look at the positives of it that you get your diet in check then and um, learn a lot of new things. But I mean, the testing side of it, that was the hard part and the numbers that constantly stay in your mind, Mm -hmm. um, the difficult part. But I'd, yeah. I don't know. I didn't get upset. I just thought, let's just take it as it is. And unfortunately, it's here, but we just Mm. have to deal with it. That's a beautiful, pragmatic approach. And I really like that. And, um, you know, what you said there that it's an opportunity also to learn a lot. Absolutely. It is an opportunity to really like get your diet in check and learn new things, but only if you're the person that is proactive and decides to do that, because it would also be very easy to get that diagnosis and think, oh, I'm just going to scrape by and see what I can get away with. That's the kind of terminology I see thrown around a lot. And I think, let's let go of that. It's not about what you can get away with. Let's really, I love that mindset of like, let's be open and receptive to new information and see what this diagnosis can do for you rather than seeing it as a huge negative. But obviously it would have been still, I'm sure, a little bit, yeah, yeah, like... (laughs) A little bit a hard to, to take <laughs> on and especially, as you said, all those numbers and things swirling around in your head constantly and when you are trying to figure it out on your own, I don't imagine that that's easy. So when you did, I mean, you already worked in the healthcare system. So did you have a bit of an understanding already about gestational diabetes or did that all feel really new to learn about for you? It was very new. So I've had a lot of exposure to type 1 and type 2 diabetes, but mm-hmm. not to gestational diabetes at all. And I just mm-hmm. assumed, I know when we I worked in a big hospital, the diabetic, diabetic diets, you weren't allowed sugar. They limited mm-hmm. your carbs to different things. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just, <laughs> what is it going to be? But it was totally different to that. And I was just amazed at how much food you actually have to eat with gestational diabetes, as you know. (laughs) I think uh, actually I'm going to say that's a misconception because it's not necessarily how much food you have to eat with gestational diabetes. I think it's actually a case that people just underfuel in general and and how much food your body actually thrives off whether or not you have gestational diabetes. So it's not necessarily that the food is is there because you have gestational diabetes, if that makes sense to you and for everyone listening that yeah, I think at any time that you work with a dietitian, regardless of whether you're dealing with a specific condition, 
They're probably going to tell you to eat more food because especially women, a lot of us just tend to undereat and underfuel and not realize that you need way more. Your body mm. can tolerate a lot and needs a lot to get the optimum uh, function out of, you Definitely. know, well, you got to, I don't know, it's like driving your car. You got to give it the petrol to do its thing. Yeah. So Definitely. did anyone, when you were first diagnosed, like give you a good explanation about it? Um, I had the diabetic educator call me. Uh, and she kind of went through it and gave me a few pamphlets. And I also got to see a dietitian in Ooh. St. George, um, but they weren't GDs. I mean, the diabetic educator obviously is, but the dietitian wasn't GD specialized. So that's when I went and found you and w- listened to your podcasts and mm-hmm. seek your help. You know, that's also really cool, though, that you were somewhere so remote and still got to see a dietitian um, yeah. and diabetes educator. Fab. And were they helpful, should I ask? They were. Um, the dietitian, as I just said, isn't diabetes um, GD specialist. So it was just more it's trying common. to find, yeah, trying to find meal plans and things that that's where I found it was a bit more mm. difficult. She did give me a lot of information um, mm. and I brought home a lot of printouts that I was constantly reading and checking up with carb mm, counting, like well, carb portion sizes and yeah. things. Um, but, yeah, as I said, just the specialist type things. Um, cool. Went there. Um, and then good on you, sought out some private support. So we worked together through my six-week coaching program and during that I provided you with meal plans and, um, you know, just really tailored things to your lifestyle. So how did you find that process? Was that overwhelming or did that feel like a, I don't know, you just tell me, what was it like? Um, no, I thought it was very helpful. As I said, I just was struggling with trying to find, I was just eating the same thing, mm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because I knew that was working. So I got very bored with what I was eating. And it was just nice to come and actually have someone tell you, well, this is what you can eat. And here's a few different ways of doing things to get in your amount. And I think that I was probably under eating too. As I said, you just, you don't realize that you can actually eat a bit more in real life and with gestational diabetes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, yeah, I just thought it was very helpful and it was just very, I don't know, the way that it kind of kept me in check too because with your weekly check-ins and your messaging and things like that, I think it just was very supportive and you just felt like you were constantly supported rather than checking in every one or two weeks with mm. the other dietitians or the diabetic educators. Mm, yeah, and I always like to hope that when I do check in with you, it's not like a, it's not a how are you going kind of, yeah. um, are you sticking with the plan check in? It's more like a what, how can I help kind yes. of a check in so that it, you do actually feel supported. And Definitely. I mean, you mentioned there that one of the biggest things that you were struggling with was just eating the same things on repeat. Can you think of other things that were really big barriers for you? particularly at the start when we were working together that were making things difficult? Well, my so my diagnosis was my fasting blood sugar. So mm. anything I would eat didn't affect it, but the fasting was the, the struggle. So I think mm. it was um, trying to get on top of that and see that you can eat snacks at dinner time and that might tie you over for and just things like that that I just didn't have any education really in or there was minimal education out there to um, to help with the fasting blood sugar, I found. Mm. So I think that was definitely something that really drawed me 
to get extra help. Yes, and um, I think that's so common. Everyone really struggles with that fasting level and it is just so hormonal but definitely receptive as well to some lifestyle changes and things that you can make. So it's if you are listening and you're like, oh, it's just my fasting, it's not to do with what I eat, just remember, like, there's still stuff you can do. There's still plenty that you can do. Like, it's, um, yeah, not this thing where you just have to accept it necessarily. Like, you might not be able to figure it out with lifestyle strategies or modifications to your diet, but at the same time, it's worth a shot. So don't rule that out. Uh, yeah, okay. So you're finding it very helpful having some support around navigating everything. And do you have any, um, again, like, do you have any tips or things that you would share with somebody else going through it that really worked for you? Um, get help. <laughs> Come and see a dietitian. Trust me. I just, I, everything that you did for me, Helena, really helped. And that's what I mean. I just wasn't getting that support elsewhere. And I probably could have gone and asked questions to other people. But when you find someone who can look after you and all in one place rather than having different people giving you different mm. opinions, um, and we then trigger- targeted it and just tried to figure out what would work, and we got there, which was great. So I just think getting that extra help and not trying to do it all yourself is mm. all I would recommend. I, do- I don't really have any extra tips because you really helped me along the whole way to get there, and that's what I just think. When you then find a specialist in that field, it um, it definitely helps. But, yeah, just realising that there is help out there and seeking it. Oh, that's so lovely. That's Thank you. I didn't ask Kitty to say any of that, by no, the way. That's, she did it, I promise. <laughs> it's just, it really is what got me to the, over the line. So That's so Thank lovely. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like whether it's with me or somebody else, absolutely outsourcing is such a game changer. You can just like focus on your own life and focus on the things that feel not more important, but the things that you're good at. Let me do what I'm good at and you do your thing and do what you're good at. And I also know for you, it must have been a big relief because you were also very busy. You had a lot going on. You had hens parties, weddings, travel, because as well, you were in such a different area of the world, like getting to those things would take you hours on the road too. So there was just like a lot of logistical stuff that we needed to navigate. Definitely. But you did incredibly well navigating through all of that busyness during your gestational diabetes diagnosis. And I think that's also just something that I wanted to touch on because for anybody listening, if you are just like, oh, how am I possibly going to still maintain a social life? It's possible. It's definitely it it's definitely really possible. Like, how did you find that? Um, I think that was the struggle at the start. I think really trying to go to events and not knowing what to eat, but then after working with you and realizing that it's not all just thing you can you don't have to cut all carbs and sugars out you can enjoy yourself you just have to balance it with something else mm-hmm. so yeah realizing that and then i think yeah the travel and things obviously takes a lot into it and i still don't feel like i was that great when i traveled but <laughs> i i used to pack snacks but it was it is very hard but i think you can definitely managing it, manage it and once i realize that then it was a lot easier yeah and it doesn't have to be perfect either well that's That's the other thing like you know you're saying sometimes it wasn't great but that's okay 
ticked the box that's most it. of the times and so as well like that's just so reassuring to know it doesn't have to be perfect all the time your diet's never going to be perfect so don't expect it to be exactly but, yeah no yeah. you were you did an amazing job you really oh, you really you. did you did such a good job managing everything and juggling everything so credit to you and have you kept you. up some of the changes that you made to your diet since giving birth Definitely. So I'm trying, I did have a little blowout over Christmas. <laughs> I think that was two weeks after giving birth. So mm, it was, um, had a little blowout. We went to the coast. So mm. I did enjoy a few naughty treats, but you can do that as you There's say. There's no anyway, naughty treats. No, nothing's true. naughty. Nothing's off limits. Come on. You know better that's than that. True. That's true. But, um, and then I think, as you say, it's just the way that you probably, probably should be eating anyway. So when you get your head around that and then realize the foods and I still use my meal plans that you gave me. So they are delicious. For everyone listening, we're just juggling um, little Pippa at the moment as yeah. well. So <laughs> there might be a couple exactly. of interruptions here. Let's change topic a little bit yeah, and let's talk about course. the actual birth now. So talk to me, did you go through the public or the private care system? So I went through the public system. I went through the St. George Hospital. Um, I We were going to go private. That was always my plan, although my insurance didn't check in for mm. two weeks. Uh, two weeks it was until I would have been covered for pregnancy. So unfortunately, but I mean, the public system was amazing. Um, mm. And there are a lot of resources in the public system too. As I said, I got a dietitian and a diabetic educator contact me without me having to do anything so um definitely perks of it but yeah it was it was great that's really good to hear uh was it difficult that you had to travel to St George like what um commute was that uh it's an hour and 10 minutes into town although as I I worked in the hospital so (laughs) Mm. it did make it a lot easier for appointments and things um Mm -hmm. and I was I did have the support of the doctors then Constantly, I would just put my blood sugars in front of them and just say, this is what it's doing. So I was very lucky in that sense that I had that very VIP support, really. Yeah, that's really nice. That's really cool. And did you feel well informed about all of the decisions you could make about birth? And did you have an idea of how you wanted your birth to look going into things? Yes. So I was very well informed. Um, I didn't have a birth plan. I just said whatever goes goes I'm not fussed if I obviously I didn't Caesar wasn't top on my list although I had to have one but uh don't ruin it don't oh sorry sorry (laughs) um but yes so I was very well informed but yeah I didn't have a plan I just was going just went in just saying whatever happens happens just to get the little baby here safe and sound well tell us let's let's talk through the whole story what happened yeah Okay, so she was breached. So I did know from um, 30 weeks onwards that I pretty much was. I, I tried to spin her. I did. We did the whole ECV, they call it. So they press on your tummy and they try and spin the baby around. Um, mm-hmm. But she wasn't moving. She was very, very, very comfortable in the breech position. So she was Frank breech. So her bum. Um, okay. Oh my gosh, now we're going to have a little noisy piggy in the back of <laughs> That's okay. I think everyone listening will understand that. We've just had another little pause and we're just kitties feeding Pippa. So 
If you hear some little noises, that's all that's happening. But I think that we've got probably the most understanding listeners of that. (laughs) Very true. Now, you were just going to tell us that you knew from 30 weeks that she was breached. So I knew that she was breached. So she was Frank breached. So her bottom was down and her head was up. Um, And I did everything to try and spin her. And yes, did the ECV where they press on your tummy and pretty much turn, try and turn them, but she wasn't moving. So. Um, so we had booked in a Caesar for the Monday morning, which was 39 plus three. I was mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that? Fine. I just said I was just happy. I obviously, I would have thoroughly gone for a natural birth if I could. Well, a vaginal birth, I should say, not a natural. Um, but. I just thought if this is how she has to come out, this is how she has to come out. So yeah, whatever to get her here safe and sound. At that time, we didn't know it was a her though. <laughs> you're so practical. I love it. From the start of this whole conversation to now, like you can just tell that you're like, well, that's what it is. We'll just deal yeah. with it and we'll get on with it. So what happened on the day? Well, <laughs> she had other plans and my waters actually broke on the Sunday night at 10 o'clock. So I um, was meant to go in at 8 o'clock on the Monday morning and we went to bed on Sunday night thinking, okay, this is it tomorrow morning. We'll have a nice little baby. And no, she had other plans. So she was actually born at quarter to midnight on um, the Sunday night. Uh, So hang on, you skipped the whole thing. (laughs) Did I? (laughs) So, So yeah. So your water's broken yeah. then. Then what did you, like you? Then what happened? Would, okay, so yeah. when once my waters had broken, I called the midwives and mm-hmm. they, because they said to me, so I should actually mention, luckily I was staying in town at my cousin's place, which was across the road from the hospital, not an hour away. Great. Um, so I called the midwives. They said to me, if your waters break, please call us straight away because we don't, they don't do frank breach deliveries in mm-hmm. St. George. There's only a few obstetricians in the whole of Queensland that actually do them. So, um, so yes, they said, if your waters break, please um, call us straight away. So I did. And luckily, as I said, we were staying across the road from the hospital. So we went straight across and it, they got all the on-call doctors and nurses in and we had a baby about an hour and a half later. Wow, just wheeled straight in. Cool. Yep. Beautiful. <laughs> and what did you find it or how did you find the Caesar? Um, I found it okay. It, so she had, her bum had actually engaged by the time we got in. So they had to be quite rough getting her out. So I was very bruised. Okay. Um, so I was quite sore afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. but the, it was, it was fine. The experience, I think it is, it is painful. Don't get me wrong, but the fact that you can get up and walk around. After it, they give you very good medications to keep you comfortable. Mm. Um, and I scored a hematoma under my wound too. That was just complications because they mm. had to do it so quickly and get her out mm. pretty quickly and be quite rough too. Mm. Um, so that caused a little bit of extra pain. But, I mean, after week four, I think I was up and I would have had no idea that I'd ever had surgery. Wow. So, that's amazing. Yeah. So recovery has been really good. It has, it has. Well, yes, I ended up also with the uterus infection, which is out of my anyone's control. It was just I had the risk factors of GD, her being Frank Breach and an emergency Caesar that 
were the three risk factors that made me um, okay. end up with that. So I ended up in hospital the week afterwards too mm. on antibiotics. But that mm. was it was yeah. just what it is. As I said, there was nothing that could have prevented it. Um, and did, did you feel really crap? Like, did it make you feel a bit yes, rubbish? It yeah. did. Oh. And I, I just, I, I got really bad fevers with it and they were trying to oh. figure out what was going on because I didn't know if it was my wound or if it was, it's called endometritis or mm-hmm. endometriitis is what they call it. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty much just an infection of your endometrium mm. um, post having a So And uh, did that affect um, your uh, joy around the whole situation? No, I don't think so. I just, when you look at them and you've got this little bundle of joy and they're just so beautiful and it's, um, everything else went to, like, was fine with, mm. you probably asked this, but with feeding, mm. all that kind of stuff was all in check. So it was, yeah, it really didn't. I just scored four nights in hospital, which was. <laughs> oh, and you still, you still got to be kind of like the full carer for her. Yes. Like, did you still, you still yep. felt up to doing all of that? Great. Yes. Definitely. It just, cool. I kind of, it just felt like you had a, a, an infection. So just a fever yeah. and just a bit yucky at times. But once I got the antibiotics into me and Panadol and Neurosin, then mm. I was feeling much better. So, and maybe some prom, so, yeah. some pros. I mean, you tell me, but having all these people around to be able to help you if you were having any troubles breastfeeding and things like that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Lots yeah, of people I had a lot of questions. Support. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, yes. But, yeah, no, let's also talk about how she came out. So she came out and then did you did she cry? Did you get the love of the, the rush I, of love? And all I think I was just so fixated on knowing what gender she was. <laughs> so yes. I didn't even hear if she cried or not. <laughs> she, um, I do remember, though, when they were doing the surgery and when they pulled her out because her bum was so engaged, you heard this big pop. And I was like, I just heard that. And the two surgeons were like, Oh, we didn't really think that you would want to hear that. <laughs> but anyway, interesting. So, um, I remember that, but she was crying when she came over to me. So they took mm. her and then Dan cut the cord. So they put her on me first when we found out she was a girl and then they took her away. Dan cut the cord and, um, and then he held on to her while they were stitching her up and she just was close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. while they stitched me up and then they put her straight onto me and then she fed for probably two hours. Oh, wow. So, um, oh, that's so, so nice. You got that immediate skin to skin. Yes. Oh, yeah. We did, yeah. So, Gorgeous. yeah, so it was good. And and how did your partner find the Caesar experience as well? Uh, he was fine. I think we were just both a bit of shocked because it happened so quickly too. So yeah. it was kind of that adrenaline rush. I think mm. you probably get it anyway, but because it was um because it happened so quickly, um we didn't have time to even think about it. So mm. they ta- they left him out while they did the spinal and then they yeah. brought him in and he just sat with me at, at my head the whole time. He didn't want to see any of it, which I don't blame him. If you- <laughs> Runs so different. Good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So um oh, and now so- a beautiful girl. Did you have the name straight away? Yes, we only had one girl's name and that was mm-hmm. Philippa, so that's what she got. Gorgeous thing. Philippa Alice. So, yes, it was really gorgeous. Nice. And how big yeah. was she? Uh, she was only 3.1 kilos. There you go. So, she was a tiny little baby. She was in the little tiny baby nappies, not even the newborn ones. Oh. So, <laughs> was that reflected by your growth scans and stuff? 
Um, they did yeah. say that she was on the she. They said that she was yeah average size, but on the smaller side. Okay. So yes, all my growth scans, and then I did have to have the two because of the GD at thirty two and thirty six weeks, and they both said that she was average, but on the smaller side of average. So yeah, and um, and on that note, yeah. did you both have your blood sugar checked? Um, she did. I had mine done once afterwards, mm-hmm. and then she had hers done for twenty four hours after. How'd she go? So she was fine. Perfect. Yay. Both of yeah, both of ours were perfect. So amazing. Oh, I forgot to ask actually, were you on insulin or any medication as well? I was on metformin. On so metformin. I took so, um, okay. a tablet in the morning, tablet at night. Okay. So we didn't yes. then that wouldn't have really impacted your your birth at all. Um No. Okay. Oh. And so then how are you feeling now? How are you both doing? We're doing very well. Um, yeah, I've, as I said, at week four, I think the recovery was when I really turned a corner and, uh, we went to the coast for a couple of weeks over Christmas. So that helped the recovery too, I think. Um, and she's great. She's up to five and a half kilos and doing all the right things, sleeping most of the time, not this morning when we need her to, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, but yes, so. Yeah, we're doing really well. And it's just nice to be home and getting into a routine and the swing of things. And um, it's a, it is a bit of a mission every time we go out. We have to travel pretty much an hour to go and get groceries and do mm-hmm. things. So we're still trying to navigate that. But that is coming with time. <laughs> she, we try and time it so she sleeps in the car, which is working well. But, um, yeah. but yes, all those little things of just living out in a rural sector mm-hmm. does. Yes, you've just got to navigate a little bit more than you would have just ducking down to the shop two minutes away. So, yeah, you have to be oh, yeah. organised and planned. But do, are you finding that actually helps with your nutrition at the moment? <laughs> if you have yes. to be quite organised about it, yes, definitely. You can't just duck down and grab anything. You you really yeah. have to meal prep plan. and yeah, definitely. And when you, I took your advice of meal planning before we had first. Thank goodness, because. I'll tell you what, that has come in very handy. Mm-hmm. Always <laughs> got to do it for future you. Everyone listening, That's I tell it. everyone, yes. you need to stock your freezer. Make yourself Definitely. some nice, beautiful big batches of lasagnas and shepherd's pie and things like that and soups. And by the way, all those things are totally fine to eat with and without gestational diabetes. They're literally like the types of meals that go on your meal plan. No special diet food. Lasagna is definitely <laughs> on the menu. So stock your freezer, future you, loves you. Future sleep deprived you is like, thank it will. God. Definitely. <laughs> and it has, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Um, Sorry. have you done your six week checkup? Like your, your post so glucose tolerance we, test? Um, so I have not done the GTT. We know that it's gold standard, although I've spoken to the diabetic educator and my doctor and they want me just to do the HbA1c. So because I live obviously an hour mm. away, they don't know if that has had an effect on my fasting blood sugar too, because when you fast for so long and then you do mm. a glucose dump in the mornings, then it could put your fasting blood sugar up. So my diabetic educator said, for the next baby, either stay in town and do it straight away. Um, hey, hey, hey. You're okay. Um, 
So, yeah, she's just said stay in town and do it straight away because they don't know if that also has an effect. There's a few studies that mm. are going on at the moment. So she yes. said that, yes, the GTT is gold standard, although um, they've just told me to do the HbA1c at three months. Okay. So, so yeah. Cool. So I'm still waiting to do that. But I have well, done a few. I have done a few. We have done a few finger pricks and they've been fine. <laughs> Oh, so, good. At least you're monitoring something. I just, yeah, I just try and keep on top of it anyway. Yes. And I will actually also just point out like the reason they probably yeah, said like yeah. wait three months for the HbA1c is because it's a different measure. And so you need to have that length of time, like three months-ish to see what the average is because it is related to like the, a simple way to describe it is like sugar that is attached to your red blood cells and your red blood cells have a lifespan of about three months. So you have to wait for a turnover of those before you can repeat that test to see what's actually going on. So while you might do the glucose tolerance test like six weeks after giving birth, then it does make sense for them to say, yeah, delay it like three months before you do a HbA1c, which is something that you do on a blood test as well. You might or might not be familiar with that number, but I don't know. I hope I just don't know if that added value to anybody, but hopefully made sense. Um, but yeah, I think I better stop asking you questions so that you can look after your poor little baby being so patient with us. So yeah. thank you so much for pushing through, even though little Pippa is um she's a hungry she girl. Other plans this morning. <laughs> yeah, other plans, but that is totally okay. That is just normal life, isn't it? So it's thank fine. You, um, but yeah, any parting words? Like, thank you so much. I should say first for, for coming on and sharing your story. And you know, I think so many people will get so much out of listening to this. I say that every time, but I know that they will because everyone's just so unique in what you dealt with and the struggles you had. Even though there's always similarities, it's like everyone's so different in how they go about things and their mindset. So, thank you for sharing your story. Um, and yeah, anything anything you want to add and anything that you would tell somebody who's in, who's, you know, listening at any part of their gestational diabetes and birth yeah. journey. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I absolutely love listening to birth stories, so I'm very happy to help out and tell you. Um, and as I said earlier, I think if you do get the diagnosis, just seek help. It can be a bit overwhelming with all the number crunching. And I just think because I have obviously the background knowledge it was a bit easier to do, but if you have no knowledge of it or if you do have knowledge of it, just go and seek help and find people who can support you along the way because it can be, yeah, quite overwhelming and it's time to take it as it comes though, day by day. Yeah. I love that. But thank you so much again, Kitty. Um, You've been fantastic. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.